and Beauty Podcast starts right now. And so we begin here on BIC Radio. Jake Asman alongside Dan Budick. Lots to get to here in less than the two hours. We're on the airwaves until midnight. We begin with the Jets, Dan, and no screaming for me tonight because at the end of the day, my screaming really came out against Kansas City. At this point... It's just more of the same. It's just helplessness. It's more of the same garbage, and this week was just... I mean, disgusting. Once again, the Jets 31-13 to losers against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Actually led in this game, believe it or not, 13-7. to And just really in the second half, the offense went to bed. They, they didn't show up offensively in the second half. And defensively, they just couldn't stop anyone all day. And, Jake, we were talking about it, but how sickening is it week in and week out? This Jets defense can't get off the field on third down. They can't wrap up. They had a lot of trouble wrapping up Le'Veon Bell today. It was a big issue. And then over the top, just getting beat with big play after big play. Uh, someone has to be responsible here. And week in and week out, we keep talking about it. The last three weeks, three straight losses for the Jets. And defensively today, it was, it was really a disaster. It was just a disaster. Well, it's been a disaster pretty much the entire season. But the problem with this Jets team is going in, I didn't think they were going to win. They were playing a better Steelers team, on paper anyway. It's the way they lose these football games. The way the defense can't get a meaningful stop. The way they can't get any pressure on the opposing quarterback. This is a Jets defense that we were really sold that they were going to be an elite unit. They were going to get after the quarterback. Their secondary would be terrific. And what happened out there again today? Breakdowns in the secondary. No pressure on the quarterback. Roethlisberger was pressured on just four of his 48 dropbacks today. 8% of his dropbacks, the Jets got pressure with a defensive line of Leonard Williams, Muhammad Wilkerson, and Sheldon Richardson. That's not good enough. But above everything else, besides them losing this game, and it's it's got to a point where Fitzpatrick doesn't turn the ball over, eh, he didn't play that bad. He wasn't that good today. This offense wasn't good enough. And you know what really bothers me more than just losing this game? I've seen enough now from Todd Bowles, now in his second year through five games, I don't think the guy can coach, and that's a bigger problem than just the quarterback or the defense being bad. Todd Bowles, game after game, has shown you now for an extended period of time that not only can he not make coaching adjustments, but there are times when you're watching this team where it doesn't look like he has any idea what's going on, and the perfect example of this comes down to two plays in this game. Of course, the fourth and two, seven minutes to go in the ball game, and the Jets are at midfield and they punt. That made no sense. And then, of course, in classic Jets, almost Rex Ryan type of fashion, the Jets actually called a timeout late in this game with the clock being stopped. It's inexcusable. And it shows me that Todd Bowles maybe isn't the coach that we thought he was when they went 10-6 and last year. and We were really optimistic going into the season. And these criticisms of Todd Bowles are really warranted. I mean, just not a good job today. You mentioned the fourth and two at midfield, seven minutes to go in the game. You're losing the football game. Why would you punt it off to put your defense on the field, which hasn't gotten a stop all day? It makes no sense. That is a, you're at that point in the game with the way the Jets were playing defensively all day, with the way they had moved the ball that drive, even though it was a fourth down. They had moved the ball decently that drive. It is a no-brainer to go for it on fourth and two at midfield. You're, why are you putting your defense that has had so much trouble this afternoon, that had so much trouble in the afternoon all game? Why would you put them back on the field? Todd Bowles said after the game, "Well, uh, we we felt good that if we could pin them, we could get a stop. Well, the punt was bad, so you didn't even get to pin them inside the ten, which was what they were trying to do, or maybe inside the five. They were trying to do that. Didn't even work. So." 
What is the point of putting your defense back on the field? It makes no sense. And what happened? The Jets' defense comes on the field. They can't get a stop. Pittsburgh scores. And, and they quit at the end of this game today. Well, you know what? They did quit. They did quit. And and I think that, again, has to do with coaching. And the, the criticism of Todd Bowles, and I like Todd. I thought he did a good job last year. They won 10 games. Going into this season, you had a lot of reason to think that Todd Bowles was the right guy to lead the Jets moving forward. But I'll tell you what. Through five we uh, through five games, one and four, they have not made any adjustments in game. They haven't corrected any of the issues they've had week to week, especially over the last three weeks on the defensive side of the ball. What is going on here? A defensive guru in Todd Bowles, their defense stinks. It's awful, and he ought to be ashamed of himself. And the it's same awful. things that we've been screaming about since week one. Has not gotten better. Exactly. It's not like things are coming up every week that it's new. The it's the problem. same problem. And that's a sign of a poorly coached football You're team. Right. The breakdowns in the secondary are inexcusable. I don't want to hear about Todd Bowles and his defense and all this that we were sold in the offseason. It just hasn't come to fruition at all. This is a Jets team that was supposed to win by their defense. And not only has the defense significantly regressed, but Chan Gailey as an offensive coordinator, someone that Todd Bowles hired, his first move was bringing in Chan Gailey. Chan Gailey's done a terrible job as the OC. This entire coaching staff has failed miserably this year. Chan Gailey today, the Jets are getting cute on second and ones and third and ones with these shovel passes. It makes no sense. The Jets have set offensive football backwards with some of these play calls. And Ryan Fitzpatrick today, he was okay. He didn't turn the football over, but the Jets abandoned the run because they're always trailing. And this is a Jets team that defensively they can't stop anyone. And offensively, without Eric Decker, you really see the flaws in this offense, and I like Ryan Fitzpatrick a lot, but it's clear to me that last year was a bit of an aberration and that this Jets team is no longer built to be good football teams. They lost to way too many of them for me to sit here and go, well, you know, they'll be able to figure it out. It's not early anymore. We knew coming in the schedule was difficult, and at 1-4, and four, what, 6% of the teams that are 1-4 and four make the playoffs? The Jets aren't making the playoffs, and that's the real shame in it. This just, this is so disappointing as a Jet fan, because not because we thought they were going to win the Super Bowl, or not because we knew they were going to be bad and they were bad. That'd be annoying, but we knew what would happen. We were sold that this Jets team, after they won 10 games last year, had a real chance of making the postseason. And through five games, they're not. And that is so upsetting, because... They should be so much better than what their record indicates. I know you are what your record says you are, but if you watch the games and you watch how they've lost these games, you know the talent on the roster doesn't equate to being a 1-4 and football team like, for example, the Miami Dolphins are or a team like Cleveland that's now 0-5. You know, the Jets are better than these teams, but record-wise, they're right there with the, bottoms, the bottom teams of the NFL, and that's a real shame. It is, and in the second half, you could point to the fact the Jets, you know, did not do any. They couldn't really move the ball with any real success in the second half. It just wasn't working for them. They couldn't put any points on the board in the second half of play. But again, my problem really points to the defense. This defense should be a lot better. It really should. You talked about putting pressure on the passer. Week one, they had seven sacks on Andy Dalton and Cincinnati Bengals. What have they done since then? They haven't been able to put any pressure on the passer. And you talked about Williams and Wilkerson. And week one, they didn't even have Sheldon Richardson. He was suspended. Where is the pass rush for the New York Jets? It's non-existent. And Ben Roethlisberger could say, 34 of 47, four touchdowns, 380 yards in the air. 
The Jets should not be giving up 380 yards in the air. I understand Ben Roethlisberger is a great quarterback, but the Jets' defense needs to be good enough to stop a guy and not have him air it out for 380 yards. I mean, they're not going to beat anyone. And can the Jets force a meaningful turnover? I know they had a fumble today, but it didn't mean anything. The Jets have not had a, an interception or a fumble recovery returned for a touchdown. You have to go all the way back to the 2013 season. I mean, it's not late. It's not early anymore with this Jets team. They are what they are. And at one and four, the problem with this Jets team is they will beat some of the bad teams on their schedule. They'll win six, seven games maybe. And when you go six and ten, seven and nine, we saw this a couple of years ago. You're in the middle of the pack. You don't get the top draft pick. You're never bad. The Jets are never bad enough to get the great player coming out of college. Get that great quarterback that could be their future. Even a couple of years ago, in Rex's final year, before they fired him, and they went four and twelve, they won two of their last three games, and they couldn't get Marcus Mar- Mariota or Jameis Winston because they won when their fan base was rooting for them to lose. And what will probably happen is the Jets will finish with six wins, seven wins, maybe even they go eight and eight by some miracle. And then what happens? Well, they're going to be middle of the pack. Fitzpatrick won't be here next year. And all of a sudden, you're looking for another stopgap quarterback while you're trying to find that franchise quarterback. And it's a never-ending cycle. And not to mention, you're wasting the fact that you have Brandon Marshall on this team. You're wasting the fact that you have Eric Decker on this team. And not to mention... Nick Mangold. You, Nick this, Mangold. Is a, this is a team Nick, that was built to win. You're right. Nick Mangold, he got hurt today. He's a 10-year vet. He's not getting any younger. I mean, you bring in a 9-year vet running back position. They improved a running back with Matt Forte. But seriously... You know, Fitz, I agree with you. Last year and, and going into this season, listen, he was, he's not as good as he played last season, but I, I don't think he's that bad either. I think he's just a mediocre starting quarterback. But the bottom line is he has to play better. He wasn't the reason why they lost today. He was okay. He wasn't great. wasn't terrible by any stretch of the imagination. But defensively, I just I can't get over. The Jets just couldn't get a stop today. They just couldn't do it. They just could not get off the field. They're bad on offense right now. And they're bad defense, on defense. And they're poorly coached. They and are that very to me, coached. Last not- week I told you how disappointed I was more disappointed in the defense than the offense. But I'm even more disappointed in Todd Bowles because at least we thought that they had a coach. I think they have a very good general manager. I like Mike McCagan a lot. I'm a big Mike McCagan guy. But Todd Bowles, we've been sold that this guy was going to be a disciplinarian. He was going to be a defensive guru. And this team is poorly coached. This man never makes any adjustments. And this is a Jets team that is unraveling in front of us. It is. And it's a shame because they're a lot better than 1-4. and four, But at the end of the day, nobody cares except Jet fans. No, it, exactly. And that's the bottom line. And, you know, they trailed 14-13 going into half. But honestly, and, and Jake, I think you felt the same way watching this game. It just never felt like the Jets were really in this game. No confidence. It, no confidence in this team to score points, to get a big stop, to go down the field and score. And they just couldn't do it. Early in the game, they had some opportunities. They had to settle for some field goals. They had the one touchdown, which was nice, but they couldn't build off it. They couldn't build off scoring drives. What made the Jets so good at the end of last season, minus the last game against the Buffalo Bills, understand they lost that game, but the previous five games, is when they scored, they were able to build off scoring drives. They were able to put together two, three scoring drives a quarter. They were having great success in the red zone. Now, I mean, it feels like it's a Jet fan just watching this team week in and week out. I mean, they could get the ball on the one. One yard line, they're not going to score and punch it in for six. No, you're absolutely right. It's, just, it's, it's demoralizing to watch this team week in and week out. And I'll tell you what, you know, I, 
I understand it might sound you know a little biased we're Jets fans, but the Jets are one and four. They're a lot better than a one and four team, and it goes back to coaching. And Todd Bowles has really done a bad job. And I don't want to hear about the schedule. I understand the schedule is difficult, but let's go to each game. The Bengals game, if Nick Falk hits a field goal and they don't miss an extra point, the Jets win that game. Buffalo, they found a way to win, which now, after the Bills have ratted off three straight, and we thought they were done, it's 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 kind of remarkable they even won that game on the road. But then you go to their their past couple games. You know, the game a couple weeks ago against Kansas City was solely lost because Fitzpatrick had a meltdown. They allowed the Chiefs to score only 10 points. The defense actually played pretty well. They lose that game inexcusable. Seattle was just a better team. I can live with them losing to the Seahawks. But out here today against the Steelers, it's not good enough. That effort is not good enough. There's no adjustments being made. And you know what? If they would have lost but played well, I would accept it. But it's the way they're losing these games. And it goes back to this coaching staff. Do the Jets have a head coach? We know they don't have a quarterback long-term, even if Fitz had a great year. Well, you knew it we, wasn't going to be. It, it wasn't going to be a and, long-term and how answer. how good does it look now that you didn't have to give Fitz a three-year deal? Yeah, and you know what? I'll say this. At least they're not committed to some of these guys long-term. But the real problem is you got to start over at head coach. The Jets bottom out and go 4-12 and this year. I would strongly... In fact, I probably would encourage Woody Johnson to fire Todd Bowles and say, Mike McCagan, go pick the next coach. You get another chance at this. Because this team is good enough to win. I don't want to blame the GM. I blame the head coach, and I blame the players, obviously. They're the ones that are out there. Well, Bowles gets a lot of it. And, and you know what? I think they have a good roster. It's just they haven't been able to put this together. And defensively, it's the same miscues every week. And he's you know, a former safety, too. That's it, what stinks. This, it, guy, this guy played at a, at a Pro Bowl level, Todd Bowles. Super Bowl champion. He won a Super Bowl ring with the Redskins. I mean, this is a guy that that we were sold that he would be great for the secondary, great for the defense. And has the Jets' defense ever wowed you with anything? No, At least what you could say with Rex was, there would be moments during Rex's tenure where you would be like, wow, that defensive game plan was brilliant. I have not seen any brilliant defensive moments for Todd Bowles in this Jets defense. And, I, and I'll take it a step further. When Rex Ryan was in, I, and you hate to get into the Rex Ryan uh, comparison, but just, just on well, the— they're both defensive guys. They're both defensive guys. The Jets chose not to hire an offensive guy. The, just on the basis on defenses, I have never seen the Jets get so burned on the deep ball and just get their corners, whether it be Revis in the last couple uh, of weeks. Sammy Coates today. Who Sammy the heck is that Coates guy? beating Marcus Williams a million times. What is going on in the Jets' secondary? Are their safeties just stink? Every cornerback on the roster just stink? I mean, what is going on? They're getting killed. Third and seven. Bombs with 79-yard touchdown to Sammy Coates? It makes no sense. I mean, come on. It it really is mind-boggling. And Todd Bowles... Make some adjustments and how in about the this? locker room. Lady and why Bell? are they so conservative? Why are the Jets so conservative well, that's down? Coaching. Uh, but it's just third it's and so, one shovel passes. It, 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 it's the same. You're harp on the same points, but it's really it, it's the same thing every week. Well, how about they're this? They're too conservative. Their defense sucks, and they're poorly coached. And what what don't they do well? The two things they never do well: tight ends. And today was Le'Veon Bell as a running back, having himself a day with nine catches for eighty-eight yards. A running back. I mean, it's the same thing every week with a different player, different team coming in. It doesn't change. So where do you go from here? You, if you're the I don't Jets? know where you go because you don't know right now if you have a head coach. I don't know how poorly they're going to be. And knowing the Jets' luck, they're probably not going to be bad enough to get a quarterback in the draft and go to a rebuild mode like the Eagles are in right now while remaining competitive. 
They try to get another year out of Fitzpatrick, which in hindsight is still the right move. But this team right now has no idea where their direction is, and I don't know where they go from here. we got to see what their record ends up, but it's so funny, and we talked about this off the air. Last year, the Jets get their best statistical season from a quarterback in their franchise history. They win 10 games. And they still don't even go to the playoffs. And this year, it's just unraveled from the beginning. They're 1-4. and four. they got to go to Arizona next week. I have no confidence that they're going to win that game How are they on the win? road. How are they going to win? Let's talk Carson about Palmer's going to carve up uh, the it's secondary. It's Monday night, right? Or is it Sunday night? Monday night. Monday night football. Can't wait for the nation Arizona. to watch the Jets. You're welcome, America. You get to watch Trump and Hillary right now? Well, stay tuned a week from now to watch the New York Jets. Yeah, and then you, I, they're going into Arizona next week. I, how are they going to win that game? I mean, you as a Jets fan, and really, if you're a New York Jet player on offense, defense, or special teams, I understand you're a pro and you never give up, you never give in, but with the way they've played the last 21 days, the last three weeks, their last three football games, the way they've played, how do you have any confidence in them going to Arizona? And I know Arizona struggled a little bit, but come on, Arizona's going to wipe the floor with the New York Jets next week. They are. And if they don't, I'd be shocked. Just like today, we both said there's no way the Jets were going to win today. And guess what? We were right. The Jets didn't win today. And even though it was close, it was never really close. I mean, the game was close in score, but it never felt like the Jets were in it. They couldn't get anything going offensively. And with that, with that, with that in mind and the Jets' defense not being able to get any sort of stops consistently, you knew it was just a matter of time before the Steelers unloaded offensively. And they did that in the second half, and the Jets couldn't respond, and the Jets made no adjustments. And that goes back to coaching and Todd Bowles. It's just a tr- it's become a train wreck here and 5 games into the season it's terrible that the Jets are at 1 and 4 and basically out of the mix for the playoffs they're not going to make the playoffs this year and in a season last year you're right that saw them win 10 games that didn't they, they just missed the playoffs as a Jet fan hey you're damn right you had a lot of confidence coming into 2016 you should and it's just been a train wreck and Todd Bowles really has just not done a good job getting these guys ready to play week in and week out. And you can't blame the schedule. It's just been a terrible, terrible job for the New York Jets. 607-274-1842. That's the number to call to get involved in the program. When we come back, we have to talk about the quarterback position for the Jets and I guess the long-term future for what's going on this season. Do we want to see Petty? Do we even want to see Geno, Hackenberg, whatever? Because I'm annoyed that Dak Prescott who is a fourth-round pick, is lighting it up for the Cowboys. Meanwhile, Christian Hackenberg, who Mike McCagan used a second-round pick on, is sitting on the Jets' bench. Somebody got something wrong there. You are listening to the Asman and Budick Show on VIC Radio. Tune in radio and podcast it on ictv.org and iTunes. Unflippable, unflappable, unleakable. The Gus Buster is the only umbrella that won't flip inside out, rip, tear, or leak. Capable of withstanding winds over 55 miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? Visit GusBuster.com and get your GusBuster today. Jake Chernock now man in the board. He was giving us a political updates. He does it all. He's our everyman. He's got the NFL update coming up shortly after 11 o'clock here on the East Coast here in Ithaca, New York. Welcome back to the Asman and Budic Show. 
Jake and Dan with you until midnight. And Dan, we got to talk about the Mets. Last time we were on the air about a week ago here on VIC, they were gearing up for the one-game playoff. And at the time, we said it that no matter what would happen in that game last Wednesday, it would be considered a successful year. We knew about all the injuries. We knew what this team had to overcome. Heck, on August 19th, this team was 60 and 62, and they made the playoffs. It was a crazy run down the stretch, and they found a way to get in, and that was most important. But when you look at this Mets team, the expectation coming in was, we have a World Series caliber team, and we know what happened with the injuries and what happened, the reason why they didn't go as far as they planned on going. But now with this offseason, the Mets have some several issues to address, including it really starts with bringing back Yoannis Cespedes. I think after his year that he had in 2016, after what he did when he was acquired in 2015, he's proven that he is the type of player that you have to suck it up, give him the big long-term extension that he wants, and if his last couple of years in that contract that you give him turn out to be disappointing years, you got to live with it because this team is still ready to win, and if you are serious about winning a World Series, you have to bring this guy back at all costs. And I agree, and I think <clears throat> excuse me, that they will bring back Yoannis Cespedes. I think he will opt out after the World Series. He'll become a free agent once again, and I think <clears throat> excuse me, in some way, the Mets will be able to work out a deal with Cespedes and bring him back. I, I just don't think the Mets are going to let him walk somewhere else. I think they know how valuable he is to their lineup. Where else are you getting uh, 35 home runs and 100 RBIs and a 285, 290 batting average? That's a big void in your lineup you have to fill, and then there's no one out there besides Yoannis Cespedes that's going to fill that void. There's just no one out there. And you pair him with Jay Bruce, you have a really formidable, uh, you have a formidable 3-4 uh, punch, whoever you want to put where, whatever you want to do, and you have a real lineup. And you get you bring back Walker. I think they're going to offer him the qualifying offer. And if he rejects it, I think they're going to try to work out a deal with him because they need a second baseman. And they don't have one on the team right now. And Neil Walker is their second baseman. And I think they're going to bring back Neil Walker next year. And you mentioned the injuries. they got to get healthy. They have to add a bullpen arm. They have to do little things. But they got to get healthy. That's the big key for the Mets is bringing back Cespedes, bringing back Walker, and getting healthy and being able to, again, in 2017, compete for a World Series title, which if everything goes into place, I think they'll be able to do. I think one thing's for sure, though, is you mentioned it. They have to find a way to bring back Yoannis Cespedes because he is a valuable cog in the middle of that lineup, and they're not getting that offensive production anywhere else. And I think he is a big reason uh, why the Mets have been successful the last couple of years, going to the World Series last year and this year you know with all the injuries going 27 and 13 down the stretch and finding a way to win uh, a wild card berth so they need to find a way to bring back Cespedes. They need him he's too good of a player to not have him he back. He is and they know that and I think when you have a team that's as good as the Mets are and when healthy and ready to win a title you suck up and give them the five. Well here's years. the thing is this ownership going to be willing to pay because a lot of teams are going to be interested in Yoannis Cespedes I think more teams than they were a year ago because he was able to duplicate his numbers with the Mets when he was acquired throughout a full season with them this year. And well, this I is a guy that people know is not the complete player. He has mental mistakes in the field. He's not the best defender with routes to the ball. But his ability to get the big hit is something that teams are going to value. And what he means to the Mets is probably more than he would mean to any other team. When he's in that Mets lineup, even when he came back from injury, I don't think it's a coincidence that the that when he came back off of the, the disabled list against the San Francisco Giants in August, that's when this Mets season really started to turn around. He's too good of a 
player. And if it means having to overpay, well, it's free agency. That's what happens. And if I you're agree. serious about winning and you're telling your fan base to buy season tickets and to be committed to this Mets team, you got to bring them back. And Jose Batista just struck out in the bottom of the 10th inning. So the Blue Jays have the series winning run at second base. First and second one man out, Matt Bush. Just struck out Jose Batista for the first out of that inning. It would have pretty funny if Batista got the big hit to end the Rangers year again. You would think I mean, everything was set up that way, but he struck out on high fastball, one out. We'll keep you updated on what's going on there. But you said it. The Yoannis Cespedes is a must to bring back for the Mets. They need his production in the lineup. And he's very valuable to them. He's valuable to uh, uh, just to what they're trying to do moving forward. And I think they recognize that. But, you know, I just think when push comes to shove, they're going to find a way to bring him back. I think they know how important he is, and I think they're going to be willing at the end of the day, if it's going to take five years, I think they'll be willing to go five years for Cespedes. Because I think they see how good they are and how good he makes them. They better. They better because this guy is too good to let go. And if you don't bring him back, you have to get someone in there. I mean, a year ago they let Daniel Murphy go. We saw what happened. Now no one thought Daniel Murphy would have an MVP caliber year. But this team cannot afford to let Yoannis Cespedes go. Not with the question no. marks that surround no, the they, rest they of the have lineup. To, they have to bring him back. They really need to bring Cespedes back. He's a must for their lineup. And I think they're going to bring him back. I really do. I think when push comes to shove, I think they're going to bring him back. I don't know what the deal's going to be. I don't know. Listen, it all depends really on the other offers he has on the table. It might be a similar deal that we saw last year, three, four years with an opt-out after a year or two. I don't know. Or it might be a traditional five-year, $120, $130 million contract. I think uh, one way or another, I think the Mets are going to find a way to uh, to bring him back into the fold. And again, also Neil Walker. I think Neil Walker is a valuable guy to bring back because when you bring back Neil Walker, you bring back a guy who had one of the better years as a second baseman in Mets franchise history. I understand it, it, it's not looked at because of the year Daniel Murphy's having for the Washington Nationals, but Daniel Murphy with the New York Mets never had a year uh, that Neil Walker had this year for the Mets, and Neil Walker didn't play the last three weeks of the season. I think uh, Walker was a big part of their lineup, really one of the more consistent guys for the Met this year. He went through a little slump in the middle of the summer, but you know that's what happens. That's what happens over the course of a long 162-game season. But I think Walker also is a big, big piece to bring back. Him and Cespedes are the two big guys coming back in that lineup. you got to find a way to bring him back. you got to find a way to pencil him in there in 2017. No question about it. And the rest of this Mets team, they still have some answers to fill. Maybe with this starting rotation, some question marks about guys coming back from injuries. One guy I would definitely try and bring back is Bartolo Colon. He proved once again that he can give you innings and still win you games. He had win a great game. won 14 games. He really Pitched did. He was sub 3 4. And we'll great. never forget the moment in San Diego when that man hit a home run and changed run. the way we view baseball forever. He did. He was a home run. One of the fattest men to ever hit a home run, but he did it. We know a lot of fat people, but I don't know anyone like Bartolo Colon that can hit a home run. And, you know, he had a great year for the Mets. And, and the thing is, is if you bring Bartolo back next season, wh- where does he fit in here? Because you're getting Wheeler back. Uh, you're going to get Harvey back. You're going to get DeGrom back. You're going to get Matt back. You're obviously going to have Syndergaard. You still have Gazelman and Lugo. So where does Bartolo Colon fit into the Mets rotation? Is he a guy you want to pay seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars? He might get a two-year deal. Do you want to give Bartolo Colon a two-year deal and bring him back in a situation where, again, like coming into this season, we didn't know if he was going to be a piece in the Mets rotation come middle of the year because we thought we were getting Wheeler back, and we obviously didn't anticipate all the injuries to the. 
rotation that took place. I think it would be very wise for them to bring back Colon, but again, if they don't, I, I do understand why they wouldn't, only because with the amount of pitching they have, it's kind of, where are you paying this $10, $11 million for Bartolo Colon? Because that's what he's going to get. The guy won 14 games and pitched to a 3-4 ERA. On today's market, that's two years, twenty. that could be two years, $23 million. That's how valuable a guy like Colon is, an innings eater. You know, he doesn't get hurt. He's good for 30 starts a year, 200-plus innings. I mean, he's a very, very good, quality major league starter. Had a very nice couple of years here for the Mets. But where does he fit in? Is he a bullpen guy? Is he a, is he a rotation guy? Where does he fit into the Mets? Where does he fit into their plans? Thanks for listening to the Asman and Budic Show. To keep up with the guys, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter with the handle at Asman Budic Show.